The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I love a movie with a great plot twist. You know those movies where you think you're following the storyline and you go, yeah, I can see where this is going. And then suddenly something happens in the movie. Something happens in the story and there's this great twist in the plot. You didn't see it coming and you just go, wow, that just makes the story so much more interesting. A great example. You ready? Toy Story 3. <laughs> Toy Story 3, what a fantastic movie, yeah? Who, who hasn't seen Toy Story 3? Okay, well, I am going to spoil it for you. If you haven't already seen it, the chances are you're not going to see it. But one of the characters in Toy Story 3 is Lotso, and he's this big, furry, cuddly purple bear, and he's all generous and father-like and loving towards all the other characters. But you know what? He's the bad guy. Didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. What about, what about uh, Casino Royale, when they rebooted the James Bond franchise and in Casino Royale there's James Bond and his love interest is Vespa and the classic betrayal is the plot twist. She betrays him. Didn't see it coming. Sorry, I mean, I'm spoiling a few uh, movies here today. What about the classic 1980, The Empire Strikes Back? And the greatest plot twist in all of cinema history is Darth Vader saying, Luke, I am your father. What an amazing plot twist. It transformed. And now that was a, that was a bad to good plot twist, wasn't it? But what a, what a fantastic plot twist that was. You know, Jesus comes along. He came to earth and he delivered one of the greatest plot twists as well. See, the Jewish people, they had a mindset about what the kingdom of God was, but Jesus came and he redefined what the kingdom of God really meant. And today we're going to explore one of the parables that Jesus shared about the kingdom of God and see how we can develop a greater intimacy with God based on that parable. Does that sound exciting? How about we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are good to us. Lord, that you are so generous, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you love us and you want to be involved in every detail of our lives. And so, Father, we come before you this morning and we invite your Holy Spirit to do a new work in us. Lord, may this, all, may this be all about glorifying and honoring you. And, Father, I pray that these words that I'm about to share, the words that you've put on my heart would not give me a claim, Lord God, but would give you a claim. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So there was a perspective that the Jews had in Jesus' time in Jesus' time about the kingdom of God. They had a literal perspective. Now they were under Roman rule and, and the Romans were oppressing the Jewish people. And, uh, and they believed that the kingdom of God meant that the Messiah was going to come, get rid of all the Romans, vindicate the Jewish people, and that Israel would be a nation in its own rights. That the land that God had promised them would be theirs. But Jesus comes along and he says, well, actually, this is not about fighting. This is not about overturning. You see, the, the Jewish people, they believe that, um, that well, the, Jesus' disciples believe that he was the Messiah and that he was going to come and, and wage war or, or, or get rid of the Romans somehow. But in the parables that Jesus shared about the kingdom of God, there's no sword fighting there's no attacks, there's no overturning the enemy. 
There's the parable of the mustard seed talking about a seed which is really small but becomes a large tree. Or the parable about the vineyard workers where everybody gets paid the same amount regardless of how many hours they've worked in the day. Or the parable of the soils where the soils represent uh, different conditions of our heart. And Jesus is saying these are reflections of what the kingdom of God is like. There's nothing about overturning a government or overturning the Roman Empire. Sometimes Jesus used the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And, and you could be forgiven for thinking that when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, that he's talking about heaven. But Jesus, sometimes he talked about the kingdom of God in a future tense, as in a heavenly sense. And sometimes he talks about the kingdom of God in a present tense, in a here and now sense. And in Luke 17, verse 20, let me read it to you. This is where Jesus clarifies that his arrival itself marks the beginning, the coming of the kingdom. It says this, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The, kingdom, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus' arrival, Jesus being there in their presence, that was the coming of the kingdom of God. And so what does it mean? What does the kingdom of God mean? And Jesus is saying that it can't be observed, it can't be pointed at, it's not a plot, or la- a plot of lands, it's not a place. The kingdom means the reign of God, R-E-I-N-G, the reign of God and not the realm of God. The kingdom of God is manifested wherever God reigns. I don't know about you, but God reigns in my heart. That's where the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is wherever God reigns. And, with, and when God reigns in our hearts, there's salvation and there's eternal life and there's, there's freedom from sin and there's help from the Holy Spirit and there's power in the Holy Spirit. And there's a relationship with a living God. That's what, that's what comes from the kingdom of God. That's, come, that's what comes from the reign of God. And when Jesus walked the earth, the disciples had not yet entered into eternal life, but they had entered into relationship with Jesus, believing that he was the saviour of the world. They were in relationship with Jesus in the midst of the kingdom. And so the foundation of what I want to drive home today is this, is that the ultimate treasure is to actually know God, to be in relationship with him. And today we're going to explore one of the parables with that concept in our minds about the absolute pinnacle of being in the kingdom of God is a relationship or a closeness to God. We're going to look at a parable that Jesus shared found in Matthew 13, verse 44. Verse 44. So if you've got your Bibles there, how about you get it out? And we're going to turn to Matthew 13. This is a really short but a powerful parable. It says this The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. 
such a short parable. I'm going to read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. See, here we have this man. He's walking through a field that he did not own. Now, we don't know if he was a worker in that field or if he just happened to be walking through it, but he comes across this treasure and he finds this amazing treasure. Now, back in in this time, in Jesus' time, it wasn't uncommon for people to hide their treasure underground. You see, with all war and division going on, hiding your treasure in your house, well, that was a surefire way that it would be found and that it would be stolen. But if it was hidden underground, that was so much more secure. You might think about the parable of the talents. And remember the third servant, the, the wicked servant, who did not invest his talents. Instead, he hid it underground because he thought it would be safer. And so this man, he's come along and he's found this treasure hidden underground. And he's going, wow, this treasure is amazing. It is worth more or worth all of everything else that I own put together. That's how amazing this treasure is. And so he goes away and he's willing to forego everything else that he has for the sake of that treasure. The kingdom of God is like a treasure. So what's Jesus saying to us? He's saying that the kingdom of God is like a treasure and it is worth pursuing. It is worth going after. It is worth foregoing everything else in pursuit of that treasure. And let's look at three, three things we can learn in obtaining, the, in obtaining the treasure. The first thing that we can learn is this. We need to understand the price of the treasure. Understand the price of the treasure. Now, the man didn't try and steal or deceive his way to the treasure. He was willing to pay the full price, to full, pay the full amount for the field, in fact, to have that treasure. And in Jewish law back in those days, it was basically along the lines of, well, if you find something, you get to keep it. It's a bit of a finders, keepers, losers, weepers scenario. He was totally within his rights that he had found a treasure and he was therefore entitled to keep it. But this man goes above and beyond. You see, he found the treasure and he could have taken it with him, but instead he buried it and went away and he bought the entire field. He was willing to do whatever it takes to obtain the treasure. He was willing to give up everything he had so he could have the treasure. So what does Jesus mean by this? What is he saying to us today? What do we need to give up to see the kingdom of God, to have salvation, to have eternal life, to have the relationship with him that he wants and, and I hope you want as well? What is that price? What is the price of the treasure? Well, the price is this. It's ourselves. It's myself. It's the selfishness that is within me that I need to be prepared to give up to have that treasure. Pastor John said it two weeks ago. We must die to ourselves and repent. The price is our submission. When we humble ourselves, when we give ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, when we give up every entitlement for reward. We need to surrender our flesh and let God put his finger on every part of our lives. If he wants to change something in us, then we need to let him do it. And there's no cheating the system. There's no way in which we can dupe God. The only way we can enter the kingdom of God 
is through Jesus. He says in John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we need to understand the price of the treasure, what is that price? That price is ourselves, and we're going to explore that a little bit more later on. Second point is this. To obtain the treasure, we need to understand the value of the treasure. We need to understand the value of the treasure. The man was willing to do whatever it takes to have that treasure. Why? Well, this man had suddenly found something that transformed his whole outlook of life. It was worth giving everything else up for the sake of this treasure. The treasure restructured his values and priorities. It altered his goals. And the the treasure revolutionized this man. He knew that he must have it. He understood how valuable the treasure was. And the pinnacle of our treasure, whilst we're here on earth at least, is the enormous blessing of relationship with God. That is exactly why he's created us. God created mankind. He put Adam and Eve in the garden so that they could be in relationship with him. But sin is what has separated us from God. Sin is what breaks us away from that relationship. But praise God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, amen, so that we could be saved and we could be restored in relationship with a loving God. We don't have to wait for heaven to start that closeness. We can start that now. You know what, I think this is something, though, that as Christians we sometimes miss or we let go of or we let it fade. You see, as Christ followers, yes, we're saved and yes, we have eternal life, but are we engaging God in a real and authentic relationship? When our treasure is an authentic relationship with God, we place a much higher value on the treasure because we can experience it in the here and now. Relationship with God doesn't have to wait for us to enter into heaven. It starts here and now. And sometimes we let that amazing revelation of of the treasure fade and we forget that the treasure is centered on relationship and not religion. We find the temptation to go through ritual and methodology and religion rather than relationship with a loving, with a living God. We need to make sure that we have Jesus' perspective of what the kingdom of God really is, with a desire to be closer to him. And then when we have that right perspective and start to experience closeness with God, it is so much easier to give up everything else. I know in my life, I've had seasons of being close to God, and and I have to confess, even seasons where my walk with God has been really dry and, and even distant. And what I've discovered is that when... I put myself at the center of a relationship with God. It's really dry. It's, it's really one way. It's really empty. But when I put God at the center of everything that I do, the Bible comes alive. My prayer life comes alive. I sense his presence. I was telling Drew even this week, I shared with the young adults a few weeks ago about prayer and how there's two different types of prayer. There's a me-centered prayer life. And there's a God-centered prayer life. And in the me-centered prayer life, I'm praying prayers about me. God, what can you do for me? God, what can you uh, do in my situation? What can you do for somebody else so that I feel better about it? 
I read the Word looking at what God can do in my life. Me, God, what is it in me? Do something for me. But when we put God in the center, our prayer changes. Our prayer becomes, God, this is all for your glory. Do in me whatever you need to do so that you become glorified. Lord, may your word speak to me and challenge so that I change to be the kind of person that you want me to be. It's not all about me getting rich or me about being popular or me about being successful. It's about you, God. What gives you the most glory and what gives you the most honor? I'm giving up my own flesh, myself, so that I can receive the treasure, the relationship with God. Last week, Pastor John spoke about the parable of the four soils, the hard soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. And I believe that our hearts can represent any of these soils regarding any matter at any single point in time. As an example, I've had a revelation of Jesus and grace and my salvation through Jesus for many years, even decades. And so that particular seed has gone into the good soil of my heart and I believe that it is strongly rooted there. But you know, sometimes God wants to plant a seed like Ross. I want you to forgive that person. Or Ross, here's a seed. I want you to go and bless that person and, and pay their debt for them. And you know what? I have to be honest. Sometimes that doesn't go into the good soil of my heart. Sometimes those seeds go into the, the hard soil. Or they don't go into the hard soil more to the point. They don't take root because my heart can still be resistant to God. Or what about the rocky soil where perhaps you, when you're a new Christian and the roots haven't gone deep and the revelation that God is wanting to do in your life hasn't really gone deep, deep. And so when a storm comes along, you get capsized and pushed over all too easily because roots haven't gone deep. But what about the thorny soil where you allow other distractions to get in the way? There's been times where I've allowed before I got, before I met Amanda, where just the pursuit of a spouse was a distraction from a relationship with God. I was still saved. I still believed. I still had an eternity in heaven. But it was interfering with the closeness of relationship because I was making it all about me. Or what about even, there's been times for me where I've been serving at church six, seven days a week at church most nights or involved in some sort of church activity, serving the kingdom of God, doing, trying to do a good work with a, with a heart that says, I want to honor you, God. But at, this, at the time, it's like, actually, I'm here for attention. Even this platform here today, I wrestle that I don't want acclaim. I want to honor God. I want his word to be a revelation in your hearts and in mine for that matter. And so we can sometimes be like the thorny soil. But you know what? Ultimately, I want to be like the good soil. Amen. The good soil where every seed that God the sower wants to plant into my life that it takes root, that I could be humble enough and submissive enough to, to allow him to drop the seed and let it take root rather than reject what he's trying to do. And in the midst of keeping a soft heart and, and, and ensuring that my life is not about me any longer but about him, the relationship becomes oh so much more real 
and authentic and deep. So what's the value we need to understand? It's not just salvation, but it's a real relationship with God, a real relationship now. Number three, to obtain the treasure, we need to understand the joy in the treasure. You see, the man did whatever it takes, and he did it joyfully. When we have a revelation of the treasure, we will fully and joyfully devote ourselves to giving up whatever is necessary to have it. Just think of a a bride and a groom preparing to get married. It's such an exciting season of their lives, and they'll do whatever it takes to to set themselves up for not only hopefully a great wedding day, but a great marriage and honeymoon. And they're going to do it joyfully because they know that what they're giving up in their singleness, they're believing is going to be far greater in their life as a couple. For us, yielding our flesh to God, our selfishness, our time, our ambitions, they don't need to be seen as a sacrifice because what we get in return is worth so much more. Imagine you have a 1974 Datsun 180B. Who actually remembers the Datsun 180B? We had one as a family when I was a kid. What a great little car. Smelt a bit funny, but it did the trick. And in its day, it was a great, reliable car. But if I had a 1974 Datsun 180B and I had the opportunity for a 2015 Mercedes-Benz S-Class, which one am I going to choose? The S-Class, every single time. And that's where our problem is, is that we struggle. We, we know that we want to go to the S-Class, but we struggle to let go of the Datsun and the in-between getting the S-Class. There's this in-between where we're just not sure and we think, you know, is this going to be worth it? Is giving up myself and my ambition and my own pleasure and my own desires, is giving up all of that going to be worth having a relationship, a real, authentic relationship with God? Because we have to pay the price. We have to give up ourselves first before we can really develop that closeness, that intimacy with God. This is where I think many of us get stuck. We fail to see the value of the treasure and stall at paying the price. If we dare to start putting other things aside and put God at our center, we're not sure if it will be worth it, if it will be worth it. And that's where our humidity is full of doubt and uncertainty, and that is exactly where we need faith. The man could give up everything else joyfully because he had a confident assurance that the treasure was worth it. He knew that the treasure would meet or even exceed any possible benefit he found in every other thing that he had, every other possession that he owned. And so I want to encourage you today. The joy in the treasure is worth pursuing. There is nothing greater than being in relationship with God. That is why He created us. That is why he created us. And so I want to leave you with this challenge. Are you prepared to to see 
the value of the treasure, a, a real, genuine, authentic, life-giving relationship with a loving God. For that value, are you prepared to pay the price of giving up your own selfishness, your own desires, to start praying prayers that are centered on what God's will is rather than what you want, to start reading God's word with a view of, God, you have something to say to me that's going to transform and challenge me today, that I can sense his presence because he is near, because I'm drawing near to him and he is drawing near to me. Are you prepared to pay that price, to do it joyfully knowing that what you're leaving behind is so much of lesser value to what you're going to have in the treasure that is our God? I want to encourage you to make room in your life. Lose the distractions. And those distractions could be anything from good things like family and career and study, it could be hobbies, it could be sport, it could even be church like it was for a season for me. It could be social media where we just need to back off on some of those things and make room to engage with God and, and not out of a religious viewpoint and not out of a I have to do this because this is how I get closer to God. It's actually changing the motivation of your heart in which you do it. It's about, it's about saying, yep, yeah, I can read the word every day and just it be black and white words on a page and mean nothing to me or it can be God I surrender myself and submit myself to your word today that as I read it Lord that your your Holy Spirit would bring to me revelation that your Holy Spirit would bring to me understanding can I challenge you on that today I want you to remember that nothing compares to closeness to God and if you've never discovered God or maybe you've uh you know, this is something that's a new thing to you. You've been a Christian for a long time and yes, you're saved and, and yes, you're going to heaven. But this relationship with God aspect is something you've never got. Can I encourage you to, to look into it more? It might be something as simple as like going to the Alpha course in a few weeks' time or a First Steps course or attending a connect group with people who are going to encourage you to engage your life with a living, loving God. But to just sit back and be okay that I'm happy, I'm happy that the treasure is there but I'm not going to take it in its fullness. You're not living in the fullness of God and I, I want to encourage you to, to see it from a different perspective. Do you receive that word this morning? Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.